Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 105. John and Wendy talk to Jennifer Keezer Atkins. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going tonight, John? Wendy, I am well. I want to take one more opportunity to thank our great friends at Humoriso for sponsoring yes. this episode and sponsoring this month. John Baldino, we, you know we love you. We're just saying it because we need to. You're the best, <laughs> and we really do appreciate you sponsoring us and, and sharing the good word. Wendy, it's, it's hard to believe we are at the end of February, and oh, you're holy. getting ready to attend your first event of the year. I am. Yeah, I'm headed to Boston um, for the very first time. I've never been to Boston before, uh, but uh, about a year ago or so, I was uh, contacted by HRD out of London about writing for their blog. And uh, so started doing that. And then they let me know they were going to be in Boston um, for their HR um, HRD Summit for uh, the U.S., um, harnessing human creativity. And we're going to see some familiar faces there. Um, Lori Rudiman is going to be there. Uh, Janine Truitt. Uh, so excited to see uh, both of them. I don't think I've ever seen either one of them speak, which is kind of odd to think about that. I, <laughs> I feel like I know them so well, uh, but haven't seen either one of them speak. And then uh, just found out that uh, Tracy Sponnenberg is going to be there as well. So Excellent. I am just stoked. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun, um, though I'm, I have to admit I'm a little worried because I am going to be in Boston on St. Patrick's Day. I, I, could think of, <laughs> I could think of worse places to be. You should be fine. I, it'll be it'll be interesting. It's just going it, it to be different. It will be a you cultural know? phenomenon. Yes, for sure. It'll be a cultural phenomenon. Yeah, I did not even um, think about it until uh, I was talking with Tracy about my flight schedule, and uh, she was like, "Oh, you're going to be in Boston on St. Patty's Day." I was like, "All right, then. Here we go. What a way to kick off uh, conference season." <laughs> well, as someone that has spent a great deal of time up there. I think I did get you beat because I spent Halloween in Salem, Mass. Oh yeah, mm, and that yep. was that was a show. That I'll was bet. a show. But I I'm bet. I'm super excited for you. Make sure you have some chowder for me. I love Boston. <laughs> I have been up there in a long time now, but I love visiting. Great place. Yeah. They spoiled me on seafood anywhere else, at least on the East Coast. Yeah, I would think you're gonna so. have a blast, and it'll be great to see all those folks. Hopefully, it's Mike Spinelli too, maybe. Yeah, um, I've reached out to Mike and a couple of other folks that I know live up in that area. And uh, so hopefully, you know, be like old home week up there. <laughs> well, as they like to say, wicked pissa. It should be a great time. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have to debrief once it's over, once, once you sure. wrap it up. But uh, yeah. for those of you maybe that are open, what are the dates on the HRD? Summit? So, uh, yeah, those dates are March 18th and 19th is the actual conference. Um, and uh, visit uh, HRD Summit. Um, if you Google that, uh, look for their U.S. Um, version because they do have conferences all around the world. Um, but hrdsummit.us and it will have their uh, the full calendar and an opportunity to get your tickets as well. Excellent. Wendy, I am super stoked about tonight's guest. Jennifer had reached out to me a little while back and we had met in passing a few times and not really talked shop as such and had a chance to visit with her. And as I told you when I, I think I texted you after we got done talking, I was so excited because We've talked about a lot of stuff on this show in the last two years, but we've never yep. focused on compensation. We've not had somebody that, that knows it and lives it and breathes it and does everything in it. And so we had this amazing conversation that we're going to continue to have tonight with you. Uh, I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let you make the introduction. We'll get started. 
Oh, awesome. I am so stoked to uh, be talking with Jennifer for the very first time. So I can't wait to learn. Um, she has specialized in the field of compensation and held total rewards focused roles for the past 15 years. With over 20 years in the HR field, she has worked with nonprofit, private, local, and federal government and higher education organizations. Her primary focus has been to develop and implement strategic compensation solutions through policy and procedure development, as well as improvements to compensation processes in the areas of base pay maintenance, market evaluations, regulatory changes, rewards and recognition programs, and bonus incentive plan design. She holds a BA from the University of Virginia and an MS in Education in Human Resources Development from James Madison University. Well, Jennifer, welcome to the show tonight. Our first question, as always, is what's in your glass? Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here tonight. And in my glass is what is always in my glass, which is coffee. <laughs> Morning, night, it doesn't matter. It's oh, coffee. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're always impressed when somebody's drinking coffee in the evening because we yes. don't. I think Jonathan Siegel was the first one to ever say that. Like, how are you yeah. drinking coffee at 8 o'clock on, on Monday night? <laughs> yeah, it's all, you know, being your own business owner. That, that's, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. That's, yeah. <laughs> An attorney and yeah, as your own business owner. Yeah, you probably need coffee all day long. Exactly. Yes. Oh. And I try to change it up and uh, make it as long as possible when I order my drink. You know, ice, skinny, caramel, macchiato, extra caramel, double, <laughs> you know, whatever the longest formula is for the day. I really try to, try to do that. <laughs> oh, love it. Jennifer, we know what you're doing now and being a business owner, but how exactly did you get your start in human resources? And then how did you or why did you gravitate to your focus now in compensation? So originally, I was a student at the University of Virginia, and I had doubled majored in psychology and English. And I had done some work with at-risk youths and doing behavioral interviews. And so I had a lot of interviewing skill. And so I attended a job fair uh, just kind of wandering around. And someone said to me, hey, have you ever thought about human resources? Come over and talk to us. And so I did. And I learned more about it. And so I sent out a couple different resumes um, focused on human resources. And I got my first job um, at a staffing agency. And I was super lucky because it was independently owned. And the owner was fantastic at teaching me all the different areas of HR. So I was able to do benefits and I was able to do payroll. Um, I set the pay scales uh, dependent on profitability for pay rates. So I did compensation. Um, I also did a lot of employee relations because in the 90s, if you weren't working, there was a reason. So <laughs> got a lot of employee relations um, experience and training. And the other unique part was that um, when I started, they asked me, do you have any foreign language skills? And I said, well, I've had training in Spanish. I can give that a try. They said, great, that's all you need. Come and do it. So I did uh, full recruitment for the Spanish speaking employees only. So started to dream in Spanish and things of that nature. But <laughs> I really fell in love with HR at that point, And I knew it's what I wanted to do. So I worked for about a year and a half. And I went back and got my master's degree. And again, I just was really focused that I knew I loved organizational design. I really believed in the people focus of having that be the number one asset, um, also a number one liability of any organization. Um, and so I just fell in love with the, the genre and kind of held a couple different roles. But 
my first role as a compensation analyst, I knew I had found home. Um, and it mainly was because it's a nice blend of art and science. And it's kind of the hidden world of human resources. A lot of people don't realize that there's a financial component that heavily ties to both the strategic leadership, um, the strategic business objectives, um, as well as the budget side of things. And so I really like that. Um, it aligned well with my passion of having something a little less subjective than what you normally find in HR. Uh, but as always, there's always a cultural component or art side of it. So um, for me, it just really fit well in that niche and kind of took off since then and have held progressively responsible roles within compensation. And it feels like regardless if you're talking about employee relations, or recruitment, or benefits, obviously, um, it all ties back to comp. So I've been very fortunate to hold different roles um, and be able to have great mentors throughout my career. Uh, but compensation has been a passion for me, and it continues to be. I'm excited to be able to share that information with the listeners. That's awesome. It's That's one of those areas that we all kind of like walk around, be quiet, you know, just... Mm-hmm. Let, let you guys do your work. But what do you think is the biggest misconception other HR pros have about compensation? Yeah, I think normally um, what I bump into a lot is with HR generalists or maybe HR directors that don't really want to touch comp because it feels like the behind the scenes person that has their abacus locked behind secret doors. <laughs> and if you know me, I am on the opposite end of the spectrum in that I am extremely extroverted. I've never met a stranger in my life. Um, and so, you know, I think that's the biggest misconception is that you have to be this mathy person that doesn't like people and love spreadsheets. And, and you do have to love spreadsheets. I will share that. Um, but it definitely involves so much more besides just the math. Um, there's a human connection that really all negotiation relies on. Um, it's also interesting to me because it feels like it's the area that always gets called to the table. So you have a seat at the table uh, because the leaders always want to know what's happening with our finances. And it's an easy way for HR to have that seat and talk business um, and and be able to share real data and facts that get people to listen. So I think that's one of the, the primary things about um, comp that both scares people, but is kind of also a misconception that you have to be locked behind closed doors um, at all times. When we spoke earlier, you talked about the perception of the analyst and, and maybe that person with the abacus in the background, as opposed to maybe more the strategic thinking and, and component of work. Can you talk maybe to a little bit to that? Uh, I think maybe it's a perception or a misconception that other practitioners have when it comes to the fact that it really is two very different pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it's an evolution like all HR has been. Um, if you think around the early days of personnel, compensation was typically just payroll. So whatever that number that was decided gets sent out to the payroll, gets paid, and people go on their way. Um, like much of HR, there's been an evolution really to focus on aligning what those objectives are, what your math objectives behind the scenes are with the business strategy. Um, and so again, there's a lot of different components, I think, that people don't understand are behind the scenes um, when it comes to talking strategy and aligning the HR objectives. Because at the end of the day, every organization um, has a finite amount of money. And so figuring out how you direct those dollars and aligning the culture as well as the business objectives that are specific to every organization are really critical that you do that with your pay. 
because it's going to be a circumstance at some point in time where you need to make sure that your money is actually doing what you need it to do for your business to continue to grow. Um, and that's where the compensation professional can come in um, and share, you know, the analytics of things like turnover. How can you um, impact recruitment? How can you impact retention through pay? Uh, also performance objectives. So again, you know, that analytical component of, you know, how does performance align with pay? What are we rewarding for? What do our reward programs look like? You know, are they bonuses? Or are they base pay focused? Um, and again, kind of moving that needle for organizations to say, here's what we're going after as far as strategy. And then what do we do to be able to incentivize for that so that the behaviorals are also matching or being aligned to where you want your business to grow. And I think that's the interesting thing too about compensation is it almost is a behind the scenes thing because, you know, oftentimes you hear, well, everyone's leaving because of money, but typically they don't leave because of money. They leave because of opportunities for growth or opportunities within their own group to gain new skills. Um, so you really want to match all of those things and kind of do that analytical approach of how do we align all of our systems for people to continue to grow and develop and achieve for the organization to grow and develop and achieve. I think one component of compensation that has been very public or a much more prevalent and visible issue to date in the last you know last bit of time is pay equity. You know we hear a lot about that across the board. And when you're working with clients, Jennifer, how do you how do you advise them working through that issue? We, we know it's a big one. Again, it's a very visible, maybe the most visible thing of late for you that you handle. I mean, how do, how do you work through that puzzle? Yeah, I think it's super interesting. I think, you know, as we talk about pay equity, one of the pressures that's coming into play for a lot of organizations is the publicity that's going around um, pay practices. And so before a lot of, you know, promotional increases or even merit increases that happen every year were kind of done behind the scenes. Um, now people are asking, how are your pay practices set in place? What policies do you have? And so there's a transparency that's starting to be required uh, that didn't exist before. And so when we talk about equity, it always falls within the whole concept of pay policies and pay practices. And when a client approaches me asking about pay equity and what are the first steps that they want to take, um, I always ask them, please don't ask about pay equity unless you want to do something about pay equity. Um, <laughs> that's my legal advice behind the scenes. Uh, and so it's true though, you don't want to look unless you actually want to do. Um, and so I think the first step that any organization can take if they're considering or thinking about pay equity is actually around market. And so I get a lot of calls relative to an organization coming wanting to know their specific market. So I do a lot around peer exploration. So figuring out who are your peers that you want to align to. Um, and then doing a survey or relying on survey sources to determine what is the market value of most jobs. Um, so when I refer to market value, what I'm meaning is that's what the job typically gets paid within the market. And so from that, you can start thinking about your equity practices. If you have a target of market, regardless of gender or race, um, socioeconomic status, whatever it may be, um, you'll have a market target that you're going after. Um, and then typically you can craft a range from that, that people, depending on their experience or certifications, um, all those things can be explored, but it really creates almost a matrix for you to work from. Um, and when you do that, it level sets pay um, and it level sets the strategy behind it so that, again, you're approaching pay from an equitable standpoint. You're not just asking, hey, what'd you make in your last job? <laughs> um, you know, you're really taking into the factors 
that are important to your organization, as well as the market indicators to be able to set that pay. And so that's usually the first step when pay equity arises. Um, I ask them when they have explored the market, um, if their job descriptions and job titles are current and up to date, um, and if they've looked at market indicators for those roles so that they can see where they are. Because um, sometimes people actually overpay for roles, um, you know, through job evolution and things like that. Um, people always assume that underpayment is happening, but um, a lot of times you can also be overpaying in some areas. So just coming to that market standard and figuring out what that is for your company can really start the equity pay process. To take it a step further, um, if you look maybe year over year, you can do an analysis and explore your promotional practices just to ensure that people are staying in that market competitive range um, and that people aren't inadvertently being left behind in some sort of way because of internal issues. Because again, you always want to look at, okay, what would I pay for this role, um, regardless of who the person is in the role, um, and then match and align their skills, certification, education to that dollar. One of the things that I've seen um, recently, and just some research that we're that I'm doing. Um, so Colorado has a new law going into effect next year, I'm sure you're aware of, but uh, they are going to require all of the job postings to have some sort of salary information on that. So um, that's going to be kind of a big change for a lot of employers. Um, what's kind of a, a high level, obviously, you know, people, it's going to take a lot of work, but where, where are a few places that uh, companies can start in um, making that change to be compliant? Because I'm going to assume Colorado won't be the last to come up with that. You are correct. Colorado is not the first and they won't be the oh. last. So California caused a big brouhaha not too long ago, maybe about a year and a half ago uh, with the same standards. So okay. being able to disclose ranges, um, having that be required, allowing candidates to specifically ask for ranges um, is, is also coming and has come mm -hmm. in some forms a lot. Um, and so I think, again, it comes back to that pay transparency. And I think people get worried about pay transparency um, because they have to disclose information that otherwise is kind of behind the scenes. But in actuality, it's something to not be feared uh, because it really just does clarify who you are um, and where you are competitive. And so when we look at things that are going to be causing those pay transparency pressures, um, I think it's a good thing for both internal purposes. So the HR department knows what rules everyone's playing by, uh, but it also is from a consumer standpoint too. Um, when people are negotiating, they know what your you know ranges are and where to start asking if they're applying to a job so you're not wasting everyone's time. Um, so I think they're good things. But as far as first steps to take to get your house in order, um, I would start by looking at the first question of how is pay determined? Um, I know that sounds a little silly maybe or kind of basic, but the reality is a lot of organizations do not have a pay strategy. Um, so you really want to start there and design your pay to align with whatever your business objectives are. And what I mean by that is you really want to consider um, what is your organization responsible for? What are your customers? Um, who are you? So for example, if your role is, say, a higher educational institution and you are responsible for students and ensuring education, then housekeeping is probably not one that you really want to have on your radar to overpay. You know, so again, thinking about what are your business objectives, you would probably want to overpay faculty if you're going to overpay anyone or kind of be competitive at the, with faculty. Um, and so, again, when we talk about pay transparency, I think you really need to be clear 
on what your organization is and who you want to really attract and retain and what does that align to your business objectives so that you can start establishing, okay, what are our market values for these roles and do we want to lead or lag the market? Um, and, and by that, I mean either be ahead or fall behind. Um, either is okay, but you need to know what your strategy is. And then secondarily to that is just double checking your policies, make sure that they are equitable and legal. And again, making sure that they're up to date. A lot of times people don't think about updating the handbooks and things of that nature. But as we talk more about pay transparency, those things will become more and more important because if someone requests through FOIA or something else, you want to make sure that your handbook and other policies are up to date and current and accurate. Um, so that's another component too, as we talk about pay transparency. I think those are two first good steps to start with. Cool. So I, the, I probably that probably kind of goes into the next question anyway, but are there other issues within compensation that HR professionals should be aware of and start paying attention to? Um, and uh, what do we need to do to be ready? Yeah, that definitely leads into it. I think, you know, the laws are only, only going to continue to uh, put some pressures on organizations when it comes to pay. Um, one big one that keeps on arising and people are starting to have a slight panic here in Virginia um, is around minimum wage. And so sure. there's a lot of minimum wage pressures across the entire nation, which there's a whole database actually set up that you can see by county uh, what those minimum <laughs> wages are. Um, and so that's another piece too. A lot of people are not prepared. Um, you know, they're paying at the current federal minimum wage and to get all the way up to that $15 an hour, which is the typical hot topic, you know, is a pretty far stretch for them. So I think that's something too, that people are going to be needing to look at their current employees, look at where that pay is and figure out what their strategy will be for the minimum wage pressures that come uh, because it can really impact your budget. And if you haven't allotted um, any money to bring your company up into compliance, you're going to, you're going to have some issues. And, you know, I think a couple of years ago in 2016, the same panic set in around exempt um, and a lot of organizations had to invest a lot of money around the exempt criteria for salary that actually has come to fruition, not at the level they originally had said, but, as of January 1st, 2020, um, the minimum as far as the exemption criteria updated too. And so I think just as a whole, just be mindful of what strategy you plan to have as you continue to get these kind of external or federal law pressures um, and at least come up with a, a base plan for how you're going to address them because there definitely will be minimum wage increases coming um, and we're seeing it being handled at the local level. And I think that will only continue to happen at both the state and federal. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Humoriso. Humoriso strategizes with companies to develop plans to manage talent, recruit for skill gaps based on employee inventories, assess markets for growth, develop long-range succession plans, and influence a culture of enthusiastic buy-in. They handle all facets of organizational development and provide strategic direction to their clients. Humoriso provides outsourced human resources services, including their flagship HRO plan, which helps businesses save money, increase productivity, and reduce legal risks by providing dedicated HR consulting for compliance, training, performance management, employee relations, workplace management, discipline, and other important HR best practices. To learn more and to schedule a time to speak with a Humoriso consultant, you can visit them at humoriso.com. Thanks again, Humoriso, for sponsoring the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast. And now, back to the show. 
And we are back. So, Jennifer, this is everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. And our first question tonight is, what career did you dream of having when you were a child? Well, it's really funny because I'm living the dream. You know, I'm living the dream. So I wanted to be a teacher. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah. So I actually would uh, have my dad fill out, I'd make up little testing quizzes and have him answer some wrong so that I could mark them wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm a professor at Piedmont Virginia Community College just as a way to give back. And uh, I have real students and real college students that take real tests for me now. So it's pretty exciting. But yeah, that was that was my dream was to be a teacher. Jennifer, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Well, John, I was going to say you, of course, <laughs> obviously. I can't put myself in the show notes. <laughs> right. Right. So, Thank well, you. Someone else, though. Um, Thank you. Uh, so Dr. Marcel Davis, um, she does a lot around DNI, and she's actually a published author for measuring inclusive leadership with grace. And I think, again, as we talk about compensation, the whole diversity and inclusion conversation is so critical because, again, we talk about pay equity or we talk about market pay. All those things go into play for a diverse organization. And Marcel does such a great job of talking about diversity and inclusion, um, talking about uh, the what leadership needs to be mindful of when they're crafting these policies and practices. And so for me, um, Marcel has been a, a great friend. Um, we worked together at the Federal Reserve uh, in Richmond, and she's continued her career and just really excelled. So for me, just just hearing Marcel speak and reading her book, um, she's pretty phenomenal. So for me, it's been a, a great opportunity, and I feel like everyone would benefit from the knowledge that she shares. Jennifer, a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? So I think for a new professional, I actually have two key things for HR professional. And the first one is accuracy. Um, maybe that's my comp background. I'm a bit of a stickler uh, when it comes to accuracy because you want your pay to be right. Obviously, everyone does. Um, so I think accuracy, just double check your work, triple check your work if you need to and become obsessive about it because it's really important that you gain credibility with your clients, both internal and externally. We're an HR professional and just being mindful of accuracy. And the second piece is integrity. You know, oftentimes HR has to be the policeman of the organization, uh, but it's actually an honored role. And so just approaching people with um, integrity and upholding their dignity, whether you're doing terminations or, you know, layoffs or employee relations or compensation, um, it's not just pushing paper. And sometimes I think with the amount that we have to do as HR professionals wearing multitude of hats, it's easy for you to get lost um, in the, the daily hubbub. Uh, but just being mindful that everything you do should be approached with integrity to keep that HR standard is really critical too. So those would be my two items for an HR, a new HR professional. Jennifer, you started to talk a little bit about uh, working with uh, Piedmont Virginia Community College. How else do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? So I do a lot around... Um, you know, conferences and sharing my knowledge around compensation. That's one of my favorite things to do, whether it's the local SHRM in Charlottesville um, or the Richmond Comp Association. Um, I really enjoy being able to do presentations and sharing updates around comp. Um, Another thing I like to do is join. um, We have wonderful Facebook groups out there for HR professionals. So sometimes I'll volunteer to review a resume or offer some advice around comp. Uh, because again, people are continually growing and learning within the HR profession. And I love the camaraderie of that. So 
those are kind of the main areas that I, I like to give back. And then, of course, teaching. You know, I spend a lot of time with students preparing them for a career, perhaps, or the next level of education. Um, and I don't do it um, just for a paycheck, clearly. Uh, I'm doing it to be able to shape the next generation. Uh, because, again, you just never know what career you might have. And um, it's just an opportunity, I think, for us to encourage people that are maybe thinking about HR um, to give them some background and information for that to be a potential career that they choose. So what's your favorite movie? Meet Me in St. Louis. I'm a sucker for old oh. films. So yeah, it's one of my top ones. And I watch it not only at Christmas, but all year round. <laughs> <laughs> I just love I just love that. So um, yeah, I'm a sucker for old films. Love it. How about your favorite musician or band? That is a tough one for me. Back in the day, um, a fun fact about me, that probably makes me unusual is I've been to over a hundred Dave Matthews band concerts. Oh, wow. I, I know a compensation person. You think they're going to do that? Kind of <laughs> My college days. Um, but yeah, so I've seen the Dave Matthews band in probably over 10 States, uh, 10 different States. So yeah, so that's probably one of my top like lifelong bands. Um, and then I just love music. I'm super passionate about music. Um, love the Taylor Swift biography that was just on Netflix, I guess it was. Um, big Blue October fan too. I've seen them several times. So, oh, oh, and then my number one, I know I'm probably, I'm, I'm giving too much info when you ask for one. But <laughs> if anyone, we get that a lot. If anyone ever, ever gets a chance to see Panic at the Disco, go do it. <laughs> Panic at, I, I, first of all, I didn't know that it was, well, it was me and a bunch of 13 year old girls. And I thought, you know, <laughs> I'm in the right place. So I go to this concert, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is cool. I've heard some of these songs before. It's one man, one man is Panic at the Disco, which I had no idea. But he really, yes, it was incredible. And he did like fire on the stage and he flew across the crowd playing a piano. There were party cannons wow. with confetti raining down upon you. It was magical. So, um, oh. I didn't know, but yeah, I guess I'm a Panic at the Disco fan um, in person. <laughs> so I, I'd recommend it to anybody. <laughs> nice. We we are Panic at the Disco fans here. Really love their version of the Frozen song, Into the Unknown. Have you heard that? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh my, yeah. Even my older daughter is a fan. And we do, part of the reason we like it is because when we ask Siri to play um, Panic at the Disco, mm -hmm. she always says, Panic at the disco <laughs> love it so we started because we liked how she said it and now we've grown to love panic at the disco so yeah he does incredible covers which again i did yeah. not know he did bohemian rhapsody which i was like what is this what is going on here like a one-man show it was absolutely incredible oh, we're gonna have to watch for him hopefully he'll be in the area soon uh, yeah i highly recommend nice okay so uh, how about a favorite tv show so this is funny. I don't really watch TV. I hate to admit it, but I am a super sports fan. Like <laughs> if there's a sport to be had on television, I'm watching it. Um, I recently got into the XFL, which again, like if I can highly <laughs> recommend anything, they do like on sideline interviews where they're laying down while the players stretch out. Like it's absolutely incredible. You can hear the calls like as they're determined. So I'm a huge football fan. Um, I play fantasy football. My dog is named Brownie after the Browns. That, that also shows my dedication in life because I am a Browns fan. That just shows you how loyal I am as a person. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so no favorite TV show, but any sports, um, I am there. I am your girl. Nice. 
Jennifer, we've had several people mention Dave Matthews over the years. I don't think yeah. anybody has said a hundred hundred times, but no. you're you're local, right? I mean, it makes it makes sense. Well, what's crazy is my first my first concert was not even local. That's what's even crazy. oh okay <laughs> that is Ohio originally. So then I moved to Charlottesville. I'm like, what? The man's from here? Are you kidding me? So yeah. Well, I have to ask about XFL because I know I know we're we're talking. It's been out a couple weeks. They've started this new season. Do they? Did you watch the previous iteration of the XFL? I did, and it was so disappointing. Uh, okay, so that was going to be my question: was if you remember, they really amped up the wrestling component of that. They'd have The Rock and Stone Cold and the wrestlers of that time, yeah, really selling it. Are they doing that this time? No. You know what's funny is they actually had NFL players at the games this time and did some interviews wow. with them. Yeah, so like Gurley was there this time, and they were like. Hey, why are you here? He's like, Oh, this is so great. Good to see my buddies that I haven't seen in a while, you know? So they're really tying it and it's in the NFL stadiums, which is super cool. Like okay. I will admit I've seen the arena indoor football as well, just because mm-hmm. again, I love football so much. It is nothing like that. Like it truly, it's almost like a minor league football league, just like you would expect for like baseball. Um, okay. So it's super cool, but they have the unique rules. It makes it a little more sure. exciting and, like I said, there's a lot of transparency around um, the calls and how they decide things and the coaches and, and the mics of the players on the sideline. No, he hate me jerseys, right? Um, you know, I'm looking for Do they that. have personal? <laughs> I, I haven't seen someone actually name that. Like, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, it's really cool. I, w- I would check it out. It's entertaining and it's definitely better than, you know, just sitting at home, not watching any sports and having that poor lull before the draft. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that I did not expect in a conversation where we were going to focus on compensation, we would talk about the XFL, but that is the beauty of this show. And that's yes. why I'm glad we do it. it is. Now, if you're not watching Meet Me in St. Louis, if you're not checking out Dave Matthews Band or Panic at the Disco, and if you're not watching some type of sport on the television, what else do you like to do outside of work? So I have two dogs. I love dogs, first of all. Hmm. love doggies. So I have two. And if I'm ever having a bad day, I dress them up. So they're super cute. Um, and they're tiny. They're little dogs. But yeah, I'm a, I, you know, love just hanging out and relaxing, watch TV, um, playing with my pups, um, drinking coffee. That's definitely a criteria for me. So yeah, I'm pretty low key. Um, and yeah, I'd say that's the only other, other thing for me. Love it. All right. Well, finally, Jennifer, it is Jennifer Atkins Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? We're waking up and we're doing math. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so say, right? Because I'm a Scott person. No, Scott person. We're gonna make it. You make us all do math. Love it. Yeah. No. I, just, <laughs> I think it's definitely you know start out the day with coffee because that's required. Like yeah. you begin and end the day with coffee. Why not? Um, so I was trying to think. You know, what's funny is I, I treat my birthday like Jennifer Atkins Day, um, one <laughs> day throughout the year. Um, so this is also funny, but I love McDonald's. Like that's probably so horrible, but like it's my favorite <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> so definitely some lunch at McDonald's, um, and I get the same thing every time. So if anyone out there ever wants to get me lunch, it's a hamburger and a small sprite. That's it. That's all. You know, you go, you get your classic hamburger. <laughs> Small Sprite, you're good to go. Um, and then I would say a sporting event of some sort or a concert to end your day. Um, also fireworks. We'll put that in there too. Because if it's my day, you know, we're going to have fireworks. Exactly. So yeah, I think that would probably sum up Jennifer Atkins today. Love it. Hamburgers from McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Some math. <laughs> <was given>. Some music. <laughs> 
Dressing up dogs. I, I love it. I love it. Yep. Je- Jennifer, I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation this evening. This was fun. You know, we, we have made light of not having certain folks on in terms of backgrounds, right? Like we've talked about benefits or compensation. And I think I think it's fair to say that you have blown any uh, misconceptions <laughs> I, cer- I certainly have had. And I think I told you that when we spoke last. It has just been an absolute joy. And I'm so glad we, we did this. There are going to be those folks out there that didn't know you that now they've heard it, heard us talking. They're going to want to connect. What's the best way for them to find you out there on social media? Yeah, so I really encourage everyone to connect with me. Um, I'm a heavy LinkedIn user. I'm a heavy Instagram user. Um, my website is strategiccompensationsolutions.com. Um, and you can find me under the same names on Facebook page as well as Instagram. And I do try to interact with my audience. So a lot of my social media is around sharing tips and tricks and quick checklists for you to think about. So I really encourage everyone um, to connect with me and have fun with it. I think that's the other thing about compensation. I'm so passionate about it and it can also be a fun topic. So um, I really encourage anyone that's interested in learning more to reach out to me. I'm happy to have conversation or quick coffee, um, but just connect. And, and I also love learning from others. So either through my website, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all those are great. We will have all that in the show notes. Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for the listeners to find you out there? Uh, best way to find me is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter at 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Well, before I say anything else, definitely want to thank Marisa once again for sponsoring this month and this episode. Certainly can't do it without them. As we always say, hashtag we love our sponsors. And John Baldino, thank you again for taking part. It is super easy to find me now. JohnThurman.com. You can find everything there. You'll find links to the show as well. If there are episodes you haven't heard, when you go to hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com, you can do it from the directly from the site or on your favorite platform. If you're an international listener, we're going to ask once again, connect with us. Send us a note. Love to send you a gift for, for being part of the community. Uh, again, Jennifer, can't thank you enough for being with us tonight. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect give back, and network. Network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all soon.